Um, yeah, we'll just hang out, and um, I think for the end of summer, that's when we'll actually start Bible study lessons. Okay. So just for the summer, we'll just do like more stuff. So, yeah, this okay. Thursday. Okay. So there's the Sonic. Sounds fun. Yeah. Um, Tegan? Tonight. No, tonight. Tonight. Yes. Tonight. We are starting a new series. We're also starting the Roman series. Um, so. Cool. So there's your options for Bible study. So make sure you go to one this week. Right. I don't think there's anything else we need to announce. So you guys go ahead and be turning to First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy four. So we're gonna kind of camp out in this verse, first Timothy four, verse twelve. We're, we are going to see a lot of other verses, uh, cross-references, so I, I do want you guys to be kind of ready to do a little bit of work. Does that sound okay? Because there is a lot in this verse. We're going to be talking, as you can see, about six marks of an exemplary young believer, and I tried really hard to make the title shorter, and there was just like no way, it's like no other way to say that other than all those words. So. We're going to be talking about six different things in this verse. So it is going to maybe feel kind of like a lot, but you guys are ready, right? You guys are up for it. You're up for studying the Bible. That's what we learned about at camp. You know, George Grace talked a lot about studying our Bible. So, you know, I was praying about what to preach this morning, and this is the verse that God led me to, and there's a lot to look at. Uh, I mean, each one of these could probably be their own message, but we're going to try to fit it all in, okay? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share about four of these six things, and then a little bit later, more toward the end, we're going to break up in groups, and you guys are going to study together the last couple words, and then you're going to kind of help me preach on those last couple words. Sound good? Yeah, one person says, uh-huh, that's good enough. Seth's ready, right, Seth? No, yeah, you are. You're ready. All right, so let's pray, and then we'll get into it, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for this morning. I thank you, God, for every student, adult who's here this morning. God, I just thank you that we can come together freely, worship your name, and lift up praise to you. Uh, God, it's good just to be together and have a a family in Christ, and so I'm thankful, and God, I, I do just pray that you would have your way in the time this morning, God, and I, I just pray that you would set me aside, Lord, as God, I'm, I'm weak always, and God, this morning, I, I do feel weak, Lord, I, I feel tired, I, I feel not 100%, but God, I know that that's an opportunity to trust you, and to recognize my weakness and to recognize that in my weakness, you are strong. And God, I, I need that to be true. I just need you to be my strength and to lead me and guide me. And I pray that your spirit would speak through me. Uh, God, I pray that you would just uh, take over all my shortcomings. And God, I pray you would uh, be with my lips and, and speak through them. 
And God, I pray it would just be your word that goes forth. And God, that, you know, your word would uh, stick in the, the hearts and minds of everyone here in the room, God, not anything that I say, but what your word says. And God, that you would show us how to follow it, how to live and apply it in, into our life, even this week. And God, I thank you for just the new life uh, that we're seeing uh, physically with uh, baby Georgia and Alvin. Lord, uh, praise you for them. Thank you, God, for babies, their joy. Um, and God, I pray, uh, Lord, that we could also just rejoice with new life happening spiritually, Lord, that there would be new souls saved. Um, God, even today, if there's anyone who doesn't know you personally. And so just have your way, Lord. Uh, thank you. And I just pray it's in your name. Amen. Bear with me. My throat's kind of scratchy this morning. It's just allergies. Don't worry. All right, let's read. Let's read First Timothy 4.12. Okay, you guys there? All right. It says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Okay, so Paul starts in this verse by saying, let no man despise thy youth, right? We've probably heard this verse a lot of times, but who in here is a youth? Raise your hand if you're a youth. All right, you guys are kind of getting the idea. Maybe all of you are youth, okay? All of you, except the adults in the room, you're all what God calls youth. And so, you all better listen because God is talking directly to you in this verse, right? He's addressing you. And the first thing that I want you guys to recognize is that God wants to use your life even while you are young. Okay, that should be the next slide. God wants to use your life even while you are young. And I know growing up in this church or being here a while, you've heard that a lot. But it's true and it's worth repeat, repeating. God wants to use you. Even while you feel like, oh, I'm, maybe you think I'm just a kid, I'm just a teenager, that's all right. That's where you're at, and God wants to use you right there. You guys remember David? We all know the story of David and Goliath. Well, David, anyone have a guess how old David was when that went down, when he killed Goliath? I bet you can well, get close, considering what we're talking about. What do you say? A youth? That's a good guess. Twelve? Okay. Any other guesses? Sixteen. Any others? Almost David. Come on, someone else guess. Fourteen. Fifteen. Just take all the guesses. Well, I don't actually know. Because it doesn't say. There are like commentators who approximate, and most of them say he was somewhere in the like fifteen to nineteen range. Okay, so just like a lot of you guys. But listen, if God can use a youth, a teenager to slay a giant, what could he do through you, right? What can he do through your life as a teenager? And God does not despise your youth. You know, that's something that we need to understand. God does not despise it. And he says, in fact, to let no man despise it. Why? Well, it has to be because he has a desire for you while you're a youth, right? That's why God doesn't despise it. He says, let no man despise it because he wants to use you while you are a youth, not just in the future, right now. So if you understand, if you as a teenager are wasting your life on things of this world, caught up in the things of this world, 
you are actually despising your own youth. You are doing that. You're despising it if you're wasting it on things of this world. So God says, don't do that. In fact, he says in this verse that as a youth, you should be an example of the believers. That's the wording in the verse, an example of the believers. So that means that people should be able to look at you and see, oh, so that is what a believer in Jesus looks like. You know, when I look at Rishon or Mickey or Seth or anyone in here who's a believer in Jesus Christ, I should be able to look or other people should be able to look and say, oh, okay, that's what a believer looks like. That's what a Christian looks like. And I ask you to consider, is that true of you? Do you think people can look at your life and say that? Can they look at you and see, okay, that's a Christian, all right. But how do we do that? You know, practically, how does that happen? Well, Paul gives us six ways, and that's the six things that we're going to talk about. So go to the next slide. It will show all six, and we're going to walk through all of these, but just so you can get a snapshot real quick. So... We're going to talk about in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. All right, you guys ready to look at all those? It's, it's going to be good as long as the Lord's speaking. It's going to be good. So the first one, in word. In word. So this is referring to, as you might have guessed, what we speak. This is uh, the things that come out of our mouth on a daily basis. And I actually got to preach on at Tuesday night prayer months back, maybe in January around then. And I actually shared a whole message about the words that we speak. Um, so if you want, go back and listen to that. So I talked a lot about this. But the Bible gives a lot of instruction about the way that we should talk. Did you guys know that? It gives us a lot of instruction about the words that come out of our mouth. And I wonder, is the way that you talk when you're around your friends at school, uh, when you're maybe out in the world, or maybe even when you're at home, it's the way that you talk then. Is that the same as the way that you talk when you're up here talking to Pastor Jeff, or when you're talking to Pastor Sam, or when you're around the leaders in this room? Does that match up, or is there a difference there? So here's some things that the Bible says should characterize our speech, okay? These are just some of the things. Again, we could do a whole message on this easily. And I just picked out a few things that should characterize our speech. Okay, so the next one, or the first one, things that should characterize our speech. There should be no corrupt communication. Okay, so you guys have maybe heard this. I think I put almost all the verses on the screen, okay? But I, I've done this a couple times where I put the verses on the PowerPoint, but not in my uh, notes. So then I have to turn and read it from there. So sorry for turning on you guys. But let's read it. So it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So God tells us there should be no corrupt communication coming from your mouth. Is that true of you, corrupt? That word means synonyms for it are like rotten or putrid. That's a such a strong sounding word, putrid. But God says none of that should be coming from your mouth. But the opposite of that is what we see. This isn't on the slide, but you can write it down. 
in Proverbs 15, verse 4, it talks about a wholesome tongue. The verse says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in spirit. Okay, so you have on one side, corrupt communication, it's rotten, you know, you're just speaking these things that are gross, that are rotten, that are foul. But on the other side, you can have this wholesome tongue where you're speaking these things that actually bring light to other people. So which one is it for you? Okay, so that's the first thing, no corrupt communication. The second thing is our speech should be edifying. Okay, so same verse again, Ephesians 4.29, but now it's not up there anymore. Let's see if we can remember it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of what? Edifying, right. So edifying is like building up. Okay, so you actually have the ability to speak to someone in a way that builds them up and encourages them. Maybe you guys can think of people like that. Maybe you've been around someone like that. Now, when I preached on that Tuesday night, I gave this example. I'm going to give it again because I think it's so good. But uh, the so the Chiefs last year, they were in the AFC Championship game. They're playing the Buffalo Bills. All right, so this is a big, important game. If you don't follow football, that's okay. But this game, if they win it, they're going to go to the Super Bowl, which is like the ultimate football game, okay? And so there's this point in the game where the Bills are punting the ball, okay? So they punt it to the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to get the ball. That's good. They punt it down, like, way toward the other end zone. And this Chiefs player, McCole Hardman, he goes to receive the punt to catch it, and he fumbles it. And the Bills cover it up, like, right in front of the, the end zone, right? So this is, like, a, a big-time mistake for Hardman. And there's this video on YouTube. You guys can find it. Uh, they have these mic'd up videos in the NFL. So they'll have like when the players are on the sidelines, some of them are mic'd up. And so they'll show the video and you can hear what they're saying to each other and stuff on the sidelines. It's really fun to watch. But after this play happens, you can see in the YouTube video, Hardman goes off. He's obviously upset. He like goes and sits down and his head's hanging down and he has that big coat they have. He just kind of pulls it up over his head because he made like a really costly error. But then what happens is you have two guys, Travis Kelsey uh, and Patrick Mahomes. But Mahomes comes over and he's like, hey, McCole, McCole. He's like, hey, man, get your head up. Get your head up. And so he does. He's like, hey, you're okay, man. You're okay. It's like, you're going to make a play this game, all right? Head up. You're going to make a play. And then what happens? Chiefs get the ball back. They run this play to McCole Hardman. He gains like 50 yards, and then he scores a touchdown like a minute later. I love that example. It's so good. And it, it makes me excited for football. But more importantly than that, Patrick Mahomes pictures for us someone who comes along and builds someone up with his words. You know, he comes along and he's like, hey, man, it's all right. It's like, you made a mistake. I know you're down on yourself, but it's all right. You get your head up. You're going to be okay. And we can do that same thing as believers. You know, you could come alongside someone today. I bet there's someone today here at church who's feeling down for some reason, you know, whose head's hanging down a little bit. You can come alongside them and be the one who's like, hey, man, it's all right. Are you okay? What can I do for you? What do you need? 
You know, you can edify someone else. You can build someone up with your words. I think that's exciting that we have that opportunity. Okay, the next thing that our speech should be is gracious. Okay, gracious. Colossians 4, verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So our speech should be always, all the time, with grace. So consider, are you quick to snap at people with your words? Or are you kind and merciful in the way that you talk to people? Here's another quick example. This past weekend, uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, our kids were in the back playing around. Our four-year-old son, Jasper, threw a rock up in the air. It comes down on the people who live with us, Seth and JJ, who are in Kaya. It comes down on JJ's windshield and shatters it. I mean, just to pieces. And so uh, that was interesting, but we, so obviously we talked to Jasper about it, but then we have to tell Seth and JJ, so they're out of town, like on a trip. And I, so I texted Seth and let him know, hey man, this happened. And, you know, it was cool though, because Seth, you know, he's a brother in Christ and he's just like, oh man, thanks for letting me know. Like, That's fine. It's just like, yeah, we actually just got JJ a new car and we're going to sell that one. So we'll just find it. A windshield for it. He's like, yeah, it's all good. That's just so good, you know. Like, if it was a lost person or someone in the world, I'd be like really nervous to tell them that, and nervous about how they might respond. But you know, Seth was just being gracious. You know, his response, his words were gracious. And Jesus was the same way. Uh, Luke four twenty two talks about this. It says, and all bear him witness, talking about Jesus, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. So Jesus' words were also gracious. All right, let's keep moving. There's kind of a lot on this first one, but bear with me. It will pick up a little quicker. So the next part of our speech is praising and thanking God. And if we miss this part, we're really kind of missing the point, you know, because we have to be always giving praise and thanks to God. You know, just a few verses that talk about that. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Sing unto him, sing songs unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Now, how often are you talking about God's works in your day-to-day -day life? And then Hebrews 13, 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So continually, right? Continually giving thanks and praise to God's name. Right, and I have to move on, so just got the references down. Maybe I know there's kind of a lot there on that slide, but we should be always giving praise and thanks to God with our mouth. And then the last part I mean, I can't talk about this point without saying, uh, speaking the gospel is the last part of this. You know, it's with our mouth that we have the opportunity to share the good news of Christ with people. That's the way we do it, is with our words. Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right? So he's asking good questions here. How is someone going to believe on something that they haven't heard? And how is someone going to hear the truth if there's not someone who goes and speaks it to you? So again, this is our responsibility, right? There's no one else on earth other than believers in Jesus who are responsible for making this good news known. 
And how are people going to know it? How are people going to hear the gospel unless we're the ones who open our mouths and share it with them? All right, so that is in word. Okay, there's kind of a lot there, a lot to consider. But that's one way uh, that you can be an example of the believers is by your words. And again, if you study it yourself, there's so many other things the Bible says about the way we talk, but that's just a few of them. Okay, so let's move on. So we got in word. The next thing is in conversation. Conversation. So maybe when you first hear that, you're thinking, didn't we just talk about that, like having conversation with people? Well, the Bible actually defines conversation oftentimes in a different way. And, and what it means is our manner of life or lifestyle. Have you guys heard this before? Conversation in the Bible, oftentimes it means our lifestyle. So the question here to consider is, do you have a blameless testimony? And if you were to speak the truth with someone, if you were to share God's word with someone, does your life, the way you live, match up with those words that you're speaking? All right, so again, let's consider what the Bible says about our conversation. Okay, the first thing is that we're to put off the former conversation. So we, if we're saved, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, we have a former lifestyle, okay? This is our life before we knew Jesus Christ. And, and God tells us in Ephesians 4.22, I won't read it, but it's right there, but he tells us to put that off, right? He tells us, man, get rid of that old lifestyle, that old way you used to live. If you're a new creature in Christ, why are you still living like that? Put that off and put on the new man. Okay, so we put off that former conversation. And then the next thing is we pursue a holy conversation. Okay, 1 Peter 1, verse 15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of what? Conversation. Okay, so God says... Because he's holy, he says, I'm calling you to holiness. I'm calling you to live holy. And that should characterize your lifestyle. And holy, who knows what holy means? Any guesses? Ken? Yeah, exactly. So holy is separate. It's set apart, right? God is holy because he's completely set apart from everyone else, everything else. He's the only true God. So he's holy. And he calls us to live that kind of lifestyle, a holy lifestyle, where we're set apart. We don't look just like this lost world, right? We don't look and act just like everyone else. And then the next thing, the last thing in this point, is a good conversation equals a good conscience. Okay? A good conversation equals a good conscience. I don't want you guys to miss this one. So 1 Peter 3, verse 16, it says, Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So what this is saying is you can be at peace when you know that you're following God's word and living according to his word. When you're living that lifestyle, there will be peace that comes with that. You guys know that? And even if other people try to accuse you uh, of some wrong, 
they they really have nothing to to pin on you because you are following God's word. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but guys, if you follow God's word and pursue this this holy lifestyle, a holy conversation, you will be at peace. Doesn't that sound good? You'll have a good conscience, it says. And it really is. Some of you guys know this. I've known this. It really is miserable when you speak one thing but live another thing, right? Isn't that just miserable? Or you know what should be true about your life, but you don't do it. Isn't that miserable? Like you guys, you guys maybe know that. I've known that for sure at times. That's miserable because I know what should be true in my life, but I'm not living it, not following it. But if you do, you're going to have peace. That's so good. You're going to have a good conscience, a, a clear conscience, and you're just going to be at rest. Yeah, I hope you guys want that. Okay, so that's conversation. All right, we're flying along now. We have plenty of time, I think. The third thing, so we so far we've got in word, in conversation. The next thing is in charity. Okay, charity. So charity, as you can see on the slide, appears 28 times in the Bible. So a fairly, a fairly decent number of times, but nine of those 28 times, so I'm not very good at math, but nine, two, and so basically a third of the mentions of the word charity are all in the same chapter. Anyone, don't go to the next slide yet. Any guesses what chapter? No adults. First Corinthians? Chapter 13. <laughs> 13. Chapter 13. Nailed it. Good job, All right, so next slide, 1 Corinthians 13. So go ahead and turn over there, okay? <laughs> There's a chunk of verses we're going to look at. First Corinthians 13. And then can someone volunteer to read verses 1 through 7 nice and loud? Sean? Go nice and loud. So I speak with the tongues of men and men. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not theories, I am become as sounding brass, or a pin, or, or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I should remove mountains, and not and have not theories, I am nothing. And though I and though I bestow all my goods to keep the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity bothereth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, deserve all things. All right, thanks, Rashawn. Okay, I love when the Bible just has a full section that talks about a word because that really gives us a good definition, right? So we get a lot of info there about charity and what charity is. So 
again, to summarize what Rashawn just read, he says in this, this passage, he, he tells us all these things that you could do or that you could have. He says, you could speak with the tongues of angels. Well, that's cool and impressive. You could understand all mysteries, right? You could have faith to move mountains. You could give all that you have to the poor. You could actually give yourself, your body to be burned. And he says, but if you don't have charity, you can have all those things. But if you don't have charity, you have nothing. You guys get that? He says, if you don't have charity, it means nothing. Okay, so let me try to make this a little bit more applicable and personal to our group. So you can sing in the praise band. You can do hospitality, you can bake cookies, you can even lead Bible studies, and you can do AV. But listen, guys, if you are doing that and you don't have charity, it doesn't mean anything, right? It means jack. That's what God is saying. I'm not making that up. Okay? Literally, as Jeff would say, I feel like it was something Jeff says, no one cares. Okay, no one cares if you're doing all those things, but you don't have love for God and love for people. No one cares. It doesn't mean anything. Okay, so the question for all of us, me included, is are you doing it out of charity? Are you doing it because you love God, because you love people? And I, I say this kind of riled up because I have to consider this oftentimes myself. I, I have to I have to keep uh, remembering and considering this question. Why am I doing these things that I'm doing? You know, why do I come here to the high school class every week and every Tuesday night? You know, why why do I do the ministry things that I do? Is it just a, a religious duty or some box I have to check off a list? Or is it because I'm constrained by love? You know, that's what... Corinthians talks about is being constrained by the love of Christ, and that's why you do the things that you do, because you know God loves you so much he gave his son to die on the cross at your place, and you realize because God loves me that much, I have to love other people and serve other people, okay, and if that's not the reason, if that's not what's motivating and constraining you, then, I mean, God says it really means nothing. Okay, so the passage, it goes on to tell us more about what charity is. It says, and listen to this and just think, are these things evident uh, in your life? Do they characterize your life and your ministry? It says charity is long-suffering, right? Suffers long with people, is kind, does not envy, not envious, does not puff up yourself. It's not self-seeking, but actually seeks others, right? That's, that's what charity is. It's seeking others. Charity, it is love. Like, you always hear that. Charity, yes, it's love. But more specifically, it's love that self-sacrifices for the sake of others, right? That's what charity is. It's giving of yourself for the sake of others. And Joe McKaig actually talked a little bit about charity at camp on the last morning, the one that we were in with all the adults. I don't know if you guys heard him talking from, uh, was it first or second Peter, one of those. But he talked a little bit about charity. And I, 
I remember just this one quote, he said, charity is loving others without expecting anything in return, right? That's charity. You're doing it, serving people because you love God, but you're also not expecting something in return, right? If you're expecting to get something back in return, that's not charity at all. Okay, so really consider, you know, is that charity what's motivating you and driving you? Is it evident in your life? All right, we've got in word and conversation. And what did I just forget? What's the next one, Jess? In charity. And now in spirit is the next one. Okay, you guys doing okay? I know there's there's a lot here, okay? I I realize that. But hang with me, and here soon we're gonna break up in groups and talk a little bit. Okay, in spirit. So the first thing I want you to notice is this is lowercase spirit in this verse. So this is not the spirit of God that we're talking about here. Okay, this is actually the spirit of man or of woman that God designed us with. Because we're all made of a body, a soul, and a spirit. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, if you want proof of that, it mentions all three of those. But your spirit is a big part of what makes you you. Okay, I've always had kind of a hard time understanding this body, soul, and spirit thing, and which one is which, and what they all mean, and what they all do. Uh, and I still kind of do, but this is what I've seen so far, is that your spirit kind of makes you who you are, right? So your personality your emotions, your demeanor, the way you carry yourself, those are not physical things, right? That's not your physical body. That's tied to your spirit, right? And, and spirit, you know, I started looking this up. It occurs 506 times in the Bible. So it's like, man, that's quite a study. Uh, but I was kind of skimming through them and seeing uh, some of these things I'm going to share with you. But here are some examples from the Bible of how your spirit can be characterized, okay? You guys tracking with me? Okay, hang with me here. So here's some ways that it can be characterized. So you can have a faithful spirit. Uh, Proverbs 11.23 mentions that. That's a good thing, right? A faithful spirit, that'd be something good to be true of you. You can have a humble spirit, right? Proverbs 16.19 talks about that. Maybe you can Maybe someone comes to mind or you think of someone that's like, man, I just feel like they're such a humble person. This characterizes them. A meek and quiet spirit. First Peter 3 and verse 4 talks about that. And then there are there, there's a bad side also. You can have a spirit of jealousy. Numbers 5:14 talks about that. You can have a haughty spirit, not a word we use a lot, but that means like proud. Okay. Proverbs 16, 18 talks about that. I know you guys are trying to write that, so I'll leave it there for a second. But I, I want you to consider, do people want to be around you because of your humble, meek, faithful spirit? You know, these first three here, like those are the type of people that we want to be around, right? You know, those people who are their nature, their spirit, is they're just humble, you know, they're faithful, they're meek and quiet. Those are the people we want to be around. And I wonder, do people want to be around you because your spirit is like that? 
another thing to recognize this is this is also very important for us is that we are instructed to have rule over our own spirit okay let me let me read these verses to you real quick because so i want you to hear this see i didn't put them in my notes so that's an error proverbs 16 23 right listen to this it says the heart of the wise nope that's not it Okay, I put the wrong reference. So let's go with Proverbs 25, 28. There is another verse that talks about this. Okay, Proverbs 25, 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. That's not good, right? So we are instructed to have rule over our own spirit. Okay, so one more question to consider here. And then we're going to break into groups. Is do you have rule over your feelings and emotions? Because that's tied to your spirit. Do you have rule over those, or do they rule over you? Do you have rule over your feelings and emotions, or are you just letting them rule and control your life, and you just act and react based on how you feel and your emotions? God tells us you better have rule over your own spirit. Okay, you guys got that. So listen up, there's two more. There's faith and there's purity. We're gonna break up into four groups. Two of, two of the groups will have the same word, obviously. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you a word once we're broken up into groups. And what you're gonna do, we'll have the adults kind of roam around a little bit to help. But you're just gonna look at that word in the Bible, okay? And see if you can get uh, a definition for the word. It will be either faith or purity. See if you can get a definition. See if you can share an example, either from the Bible or from personal life. Uh, any cross references, that's cool to share. And then how do you apply it? Okay. So, a definition, uh, examples, you know, what is an example of faith in the Bible or, or an example in personal life? Any cross references, and then how do you apply it? And I'll give you a hint ahead of time. Purity shows up two times in your whole Bible. This verse we're talking about and one other, but look up pure, that, will, that might help you. Okay, so I'm gonna number you guys, okay? And we're gonna have group one be up in this corner, uh, group two in that rock corner, group three can be kind of over there and group four up here, okay? All right, ready? Yeah. These will be kind of big groups, that's right. One, two, three, four, one, two, and three, Josiah four, Mazzy one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. 